Thank you, God. We love you. We honor you in this place. We lift up a shout of praise this morning because God is on his throne and we love him. God, thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to be together once again. Thank you, God. We honor you. We're here for you. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and take a seat this morning. Man, it is good to be back together. Goodness gracious. Um, we're going to jump into a part of our service we do every Sunday called Give and Take. If you love it, if you know it, you love it. Uh, we do this every week. It's kind of a family rhythm for us here at Antioch where we come together and uh, we just take a minute and uh, we acknowledge the fact that God is moving and uh, acknowledge the fact that He is on His throne. And we call it Give and Take because... Uh, I'll just explain that for you. We call it that way, uh, that because we believe that God is always moving and that God is inviting us into the work that he is doing. And we call it the give part, uh, we call it that because God's inviting us to participate. And it is a right response when we see him rightly and when we see him for who he is to give our lives into that. And so we do that on a weekly basis. We worship, we give our songs, we give our time, our energy, our effort, and our finances to him. And if you want to participate with us this morning by giving financially, you're more than welcome to do that. We're not going to pass the baskets around for a number of different reasons today. Uh, but uh, the baskets are going to be next to the doors when you leave uh, after service today. You can put your offering in the basket and worship alongside us that way. And the take part is that uh, because God's always moving, there's always something to celebrate. There's always something to partake of and to fill ourselves with. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to hear an encouragement, uh, a testimony from my dear friend, Lindsay Frazee. who's going to come share. Yes. Y'all, y'all, I wore a, a dress with pockets because I needed to control my hands because I am so excited to be back here with y'all and to see so many beautiful faces, and I knew they would get me in trouble this morning. So, um, yeah, they just asked me to share a little bit of about um, what God did with us in quarantine and in our time in isolation. And so, like Sam talked about with give and take, God gives us opportunities. And so we wanted to take advantage of the opportunity that we had with him during quarantine. Um, so the Lord had been speaking to my heart for a long time about Sabbath. It's a rhythm that we had wanted to establish with our family for a pretty significant time and for numerous reasons. Um, it just never became a regular thing. Like we would do it here and there, but it wasn't something that got to be a routine and a consistent part of our life. And so when quarantine hit, um, I felt that little unction in my heart of like, now's the time. Now's the time, and Mark came out uh, one morning, and I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth, and he said, I felt like the Lord said, we got to take a hill. And I was like, okay. I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, I feel like in, in battles, the way they got victory was they took the hill and they planted their flag, right? And so we needed to have a hill that we were going to take during this season, and that became Sabbath for our family. And so we took the hill, and it was a beautiful season. And so for us, the invitation of God for Sabbath wasn't a rule to follow. It was an invitation of learning, like he set this rhythm up from the beginning of time. We work six days, and then we rest. And that was a rhythm in place for my good, for our good. And when we set that in place, even though my schedule was clear and there wasn't this to-do list, it was still a rhythm of like, hey, today we are recentering, we are resetting, and we are refocusing on God. 
and on why we are here and what we are um, commissioned to do. Um, and it re-centered our hearts and our perspectives, even in this season of like, God, I can find joy and I can find beauty and I can um, thrive when everything else is shaking around me. So Sabbath was the, uh, that solid ground for us in this season. And so as Andrew posed the question a few weeks ago of like, what do we wanna take out of this season? What do we wanna carry into as we resume life? And I felt like the Lord said, Sabbath is your antidote to burnout. And I feel that in my heart for us as we resume life and we resume quote unquote normal, like sit with the Lord in that and say, what does it look like for me to not just get back to life in a way that I've always done it? But how do I take from this season times and spaces with you um, that will carry me and sustain me? So I love your faces. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, so good. So good. All right, I'm going to pray for us, and then we've got a couple of announcements that we're going to watch on the screen, and then we'll keep going with our Sunday. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you that you speak and that you're leading and guiding each one of our families. Thank you for the way that you led in uh, the Frazee family and that, and that you're speaking to us. We give this morning to you. We're here for you. Amen. So here's what's going on at Antioch. Now, first off, we're so excited to have Antioch kids in the room for us for the entire service. Um, it is going to look like this for all of June as Antioch kids is going to be closed. Uh, Beth Gator did make a really helpful video that's on our Antioch in the YouTube channel, and it really just talks about how to disciple your kids through going through service. Second, if you are musically talented in any way and you're interested in joining our worship team, you can visit antiochindy.com slash worship, and it'll walk you through our audition process. Also, if you do have any questions at all about that, you can email emily.l at antiochindy.com. Well, that's all that I got for you guys. Let's go ahead and prepare our hearts and get ready for the message. Anybody excited to be in church this morning? Come on, we're in church, finally. So good to be back. Gosh, Lindsay's right. Y'all do have beautiful faces. Man, everybody just look around for a second and realize, you know, it's kind of nice to be together. Oh, my goodness. Love you so much. Uh, shout across the room at somebody. Love you. Good to see you. There we go. All right, pull out your Bibles and your notes. Anybody ready for the Word of God? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Pull it out. Open your Bible up to Luke chapter 23. We're going to be there this morning and uh, probably a couple other places too. Uh, I've got a plan and it's all, all, as we say on our staff all the time, all things TBD. All things TBD is kind of our motto around here. Um, I hope you're hungry for, for, the, for the word of God. Make sure you have something to take notes with. We are still a note-taking church post-quarantine. I am so glad I'm not watching a YouTube video right now. For all of you on, where I don't know which camera's live here. We got our live stream. Can you say, say hi to everybody who's at home? We're so, so glad to see you. I want to give a shout out to our staff uh, during this whole quarantine, during today, making live streaming happening. You guys have done an amazing job. If you have felt encouraged or shepherded or led at all over the last three months, give our staff a shout. They've done a great job. Absolutely amazing. So proud to be a part of this team. Luke 23, if you're there, say I'm there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm sitting down again. Don't know why, but here we are. <laughs> Luke 23, uh, I'm going to start off uh, reading 
out of Luke chapter 23, verse 44. We're going to read a couple of verses as we get into the word this morning. Um, is anybody's, is anybody's life feel a little bit crazier than it did a few weeks ago, a few months ago, the end of 2019? Anybody feeling it? Just ra- let me see by show of hands, let's be in this together. You just, you're feeling it. We're not alone. <laughs> That's good. Luke 23, we are picking up the story of Jesus um, and the end of his life when he is being crucified. And a lot of the crucifixion process has happened as we pick up here in verse 44. And verse 44 says, it is now about the sixth hour. The sixth hour. What that means is that's kind of a way that they measure the day. It's about noon. Um, It's been happening for a while, what we're reading about right now. It's been going on for a little while. It's nothing new. It's been going on and on, and Jesus has been going through something and through something. It's noon in the day, but his day didn't start at 9 a.m. in the office. It started off late the night before in a garden, alone, arrested. It is now, now here's where we are. Here we are now in the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land, and it kept going, and now it's the ninth hour. And it just kept happening and happening and happening and while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Somebody say spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. I want to pray for us as we open the word of God together this morning. Jesus, we love you. We love you. And we are here to hear from you. We're here to see you. We're here to experience you. We are here to be changed by you. We are here to be led by you. We are here to be transformed by you. We are here to follow you. We are here to be commissioned by you. We are here to celebrate you. We are here to celebrate you in the way you manifest yourself to us through one another. We are here to meet with you as you meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus knows what it's like to suffocate. It was built into the system of crucifixion that he would suffocate. I want you to think about the backdrop here of Luke chapter 23 as we read the crucifixion story. 2,000 years later, we can drift in our minds and picture more of a hospital room and a bed with clean sheets than what the situation really was like. I want you to think this morning about the backdrop of these verses that we read, the, the, the picture of the crucifixion. I want you to maybe, I want to maybe challenge any routine thought of a peaceful passing. I want you to think about the crucifixion this morning as you hear Jesus' words from the cross. I want you to picture in your mind a man who has been arrested for no reason other than being who he is. I want you to picture a man who has, after his arrest, 
has been erroneously charged with things he didn't do. He has been unfairly tried. He has been unjustly sentenced. He's been brutally beaten. He's been paraded through the streets for all to see. He has been stripped of not only his clothes, but every ounce of human dignity. He's been mercilessly mocked. And he is suffocating. Not just because of, the, of what was left of the weight of his own body resting on nails as he hung from a tree that compressed his lungs, but under the weight of rejection, under the weight of oppression, under the weight of injustice, under the weight of hatred. under the weight of the system treating him unfairly, under the weight of being misunderstood, suffocating, under the weight of the sin of the world. And it is this man who at now we more rightly picture in our minds who cries out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The Greek word that is translated loud here, I'm talking about a loud voice. It's not a word that simply talks about decibels of volume. It's translated many other ways, not only in the Bible, but throughout Greek literature and the Greek language. It's not just about volume, it communicates mass. It communicates weight. It's a word of intensity, not simply volume. I would like to submit to you this morning that as we read about Jesus on a cross crying out in a loud voice, it may not connote the volume of a healthy man making a beautiful declaration for you to read in church this morning. But maybe it was loud, like the sound you are now familiar with, I'm sure, of a muffled voice of a dying man who knows this is it. And having said this, he breathed his last. to share a message with you this morning, and I want to just go ahead and say that I want to share a message with you. I don't have a message to share with Republicans. I don't have a message to share with Democrats. I don't have a message for white people. I don't have a message for black people. I don't have a message for America or the American church. I do not pastor the American church. I do not pastor the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, the president, or any pool of opinions, I am your pastor. I pastor this church, and I want to share a message with you this morning under the title, I Can't Breathe. When the world 
heard George Floyd's muffled, I can't breathe, he captured the cry of the human heart. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you listening? Are you listening? I, I spent many hours this week downtown in a few different places and a few different settings around all kinds of different people. I spent hours on Monument Circle. I helped put together a prayer meeting of city council members from all different branches of representations. I talked with some state people. I talked with some officers. I talked with some people who live on the street. I talked with all kinds of people. I sat there. I went down this week and I took two chairs with us, with me. And I put two chairs in Monument Circle and a sign that said, I love you and I'd love to listen to you. And people began to come and sit down and talk. White people. Black people. Multiracial people, Asian people, rich people, poor people, straight people, gay people, bisexual people, Republicans, Democrats, and just about everything else from age 9 to age 80. All of them, every last one of them, walking through the streets of our city, some of them with signs in their hands, some of them with shouts in their guts, waiting for somebody to listen. But every single person shouting the same thing in their own way. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe under the stress of my life. I can't breathe under the anxiety in my life. I can't breathe under the depression in my life. I can't breathe under the oppression in my life. I can't breathe when I see the injustice in my life. I can't breathe because of the exhaustion of my life. I can't breathe because of the pain in my life. I can't breathe because of the fear in my life. You can name every single different label and every single different reason why it is present. All I know is that people cannot breathe under the weight of life. The human heart has a knee on its neck. Sin, throwing everything it has mercilessly. And the human heart is shouting through every city in this nation every street and every town and every nation of the earth the human heart is crying out with a loud voice I can't breathe are you listening are you listening this morning church people of God I, I want to know this morning are you listening are you listening? Are you listening? I know that you're talking to people. I know that you're reading some books. I know that you're posting some things. I know that you're developing some thoughts. I know that you're working on some opinions. And all of that is great and needed. And by all means, do it. And let's do all of those things. But I have to ask you in the midst of it, are you listening? Are you listening? 
I don't know about you, but I personally cannot hold a candle to the Apostles Paul reputation as far as being a catalyst for the church and the people of God throughout all of history. But sometimes I really feel certain that I could give him a run for his money in his personal claim of being the chief of sinners. I, uh, this week, in so many different settings, as my ears have heard so many different things, my eyes have seen so many different things, I've interacted with so many different people, I've just observed that it seems that just about everybody seems to be appealing to me to see if I understand that there might be something bad in my heart. Are you racist? You know you are, right? <laughs> and everywhere in between. Everybody wants to make sure that I know there's something about it. They want to ask and see, do you, do you know if there's something in your heart? And I can't help but want to say, it's worse than that. It's way worse than that. I, I've, I've acted in prejudice to anybody in my life for anybody different reason at some point in my life it's worse than that there's times where I have written people off yeah because of the color of their skin no matter what the accent the gender the situation the fact that I just didn't want to hear it right then and I know I'm the only one have, have I ever it's worse than that it's worse than that you want to know about me I actually know how to be a jerk to my wife. I, uh, I can snap at my kids. Sometimes it seems like they deserve it, and sometimes I just do it because I'm taking out some anger on them from something else. I know how to do that. I, I can just take off out the frustrations of my life on other people in general just because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. If you've been in our church for any length of time, you've heard a lot of the testimony of my life and the addiction that I was under for 10 years that I'm going to be careful with because of the ears in the room, but you know it. You know it, and, and that, wasn't a, that wasn't a stumbling block that was normal for people. According to my Bible, it was adultery every moment of it for 10 years. I've, I've been controlled by greed. I've, it, it's actually really easy for me to think about myself before I think about somebody else. Doesn't matter what you look like. I don't have that hard of a time thinking about me before you. I've judged other people to make myself feel better. I've judged myself because I thought I was better. I've judged other people because I thought I was better. I've celebrated other people's failures before. I've lied at one time or another, I'm pretty sure, to everybody in my life who has ever meant anything to me. There have been times where I've stood up here more concerned about what you might think of me than if I faithfully execute my assignment to preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. I've idolized most things in this world, mainly me. It's worse than that. You want to know the truth? I have sinned, and I have fallen short of the glory of God. My petition to you this morning and us this morning is that 
we would, out of 1 Peter 5, verse 5 through 7, clothe ourselves, every one of us, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I want to be honest with you in church this morning as we navigate this situation. As I share just the top layer of my laundry list, just in case you thought that apart from Jesus, my heart had anything pure in it. I want to just share with you this morning. Again, I want to underscore this is just me talking with you. This is us being a family. As I was with so many different people this week, my heart has been broken by the pain of this world. But I, honestly, I, I've, I've felt so mobilized by the pain of the world. I don't know if you've experienced that, but sometimes when you walk with Jesus, it feels like when you step into a painful situation, as bad as it hurts and as much as it feels like it cripples you, it also feels like it so quickly mobilizes you. It, 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 when, when things are so blatantly bad and hurtful and painful and messy or put in whatever word you want to put in any sort of different time, it makes the assignment so clear. It makes it so simple. It makes it so easy to know what to do. When someone is standing in front of you in pain, we talked about it last week, reach out and show compassion. It's not complicated. <laughs> it cuts through everything in front of you when you just know that somebody is in pain. And so there have been moments of being overwhelmed by the pain of the world, but it, for the most part as I reflect on these different moments, I realize that I have felt so mobilized. But can I tell you what moments have made me have to fight off hopelessness? Can I tell you what has birthed the moments that have made me feel paralyzed? Can I tell you about what has left me not mobilized to go love people, but left me on the floor of my office for hours groaning because I don't know what else to pray? Can I tell you? Watching Christians... Treat Christians this week. It's broken me. My brothers and sisters from every nation, tribe, and tongue, how often does the collective broken heart of humanity echo through the streets of our cities and every nation of the earth? How often does this moment happen? Have you been praying for revival? Have you been praying for salvation? Have you been praying for awakening? This is our time. This is our moment. This is our opportunity. This is our assignment. Now stop me if this sounds familiar, Antioch Indy, but you were made for this. You were made for this. This matters too much. People are hurting too bad. Too many things have to change. The world needs us too bad for us to get suckered in this hour by division. If you could touch somebody, I'd say, touch them and tell them, don't get suckered. Don't get suckered. Don't get suckered right now, church. I'm going to say something that's going to get me into big trouble. The same spirit that made Christians count black people as less than human in the Constitution is the same spirit that's making Christians walk into church this week and count somebody else, a brother and sister, as less than human because they don't vote the same. It's the same spirit. Can I tell you, the devil doesn't care what you call it as long as he gets in the door. He doesn't care what you call your pride as long as it gets in. 
He doesn't care how you label your hatred or what you hate as long as you do. Don't get suckered. Don't get suckered in this moment. The devil doesn't care what fancy words you use to make it sound good that you're condescending a brother and a sister as long as you do it. A real Christian would never vote Democrat. They support abortion. A real Christian could never vote for Donald Trump. He's an abomination to all things decent in the world. It's got to stop. Please. 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 Remember who you are. Your favorite politician or political party is not the savior of the world. Okay, somebody else better get ready to amen this part then too. Your least favorite political person and your least favorite political party is not the source of evil in the world evil either. Too many things need to change to waste this moment judging each other on social media, sacrificing fellowship on the altar of our politics, tiring myself out by being self-righteous. The world needs me too bad. The world needs you too bad. Of course, black lives matter. Of course. Don't, please, don't let some political organization that you may or may not disagree with at different levels on different issues that have don't let that distract you Christian you live above the kingdoms of this world don't get suckered don't let somebody else dictate what you mean when you say the basic truth that black lives matter let me when my daughter asks me if she's beautiful I don't tell her no, everybody's beautiful Rosie When somebody calls me asking if their marriage is worth saving, I don't try to convince them of the value of my marriage first. When somebody asks me if their life is worth living, I don't sit them down to make sure they understand the value of my life first. If someone is wondering, does my life matter? If someone has to stand up and ask, does my life matter? If somebody has to fight to feel understood, does my life matter? Don't you dare let that person hear anything out of your mouth before they hear yes. I don't care where they come from, what they look like, or why they're asking, or if you agree with it. Yes! 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 Your life matters. Forget about your discomfort. Forget about your politics. Forget about yourself. Yes. Yes. In the Good Samaritan, I want you to be really clear. Jesus does not ask for your opinion. He commands you that when someone is hurting, get off your high horse and show some compassion. So what do we do? That's what everybody's asking. We've talked about it in Living Room Live. We've talked about it on Sunday mornings. What do we do? Something I can tell you that we don't do. 
is revert to condemnation, hatred, and assuming the worst about your brothers and sisters and calling it strengthening the church. We encourage one another. We build each other up. We fan into flame the gift of God that each one of us carries. We serve each other. We manifest the spirit of God for the common good. We are the body of Christ and each individually members of it. Being unified doesn't have to mean that we're all the same. And being different doesn't mean that we have to be divided. Look at two different spots in your body and notice it's different, but it's unified. We've got to show the world, church. The world needs this too bad. The world needs us too bad. We've got to show the world, church. I want us to be clear that it is possible to have a mutual and honest understanding of our history and yet still have different prescriptions for the remedy to current problems and see a different blueprint for a better future. Can we show the world how to do that together? Can we show the world how to do that together? So what do we do? What do we do? Why don't you turn to Acts chapter 2. Fifty days later, after Jesus breathes his last and then breathes his first out of a tomb. Acts chapter 2, verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. That word wind can also be translated a mighty rushing breath. It filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues of fire appeared upon them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They weren't, they, it, wasn't just a, it wasn't just a moment. It wasn't just goosebumps. The breath of God filled the room. The breath of God filled the seats. The breath of God filled the space that they were inhabiting. The breath of God didn't just fill the building. It didn't just fill the streets. The breath of God filled the people. With the Holy Spirit. That word spirit is this Greek word pneuma. It means the spirit of God. It also means the wind of God. It means the breath of God. Jesus gave his breath to the Father on the cross. So the Father could give his breath to us at Pentecost. What do we do? I'm going to talk to you as if there's a global pandemic and riots in the streets and injustice on the earth. What do we do? The Spirit of the Lord, the breath of the Lord is not upon you so that you can be right. The breath of God is not on you so that you can crucify those who you disagree with. The breath of God is on you because he has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. To, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives and the opening of prison for those who are bound. That is what we do. Where is God? What is God doing? Well, I don't know everything, but what I can tell you is that the Holy Ghost is trying to fill rooms with the breath of God. The Holy Ghost is trying to walk with you into rooms that can't breathe and for you to breathe fresh life into rooms that have the air sucked out of it because of judgment, condemnation, fear, oppression, opinions. What is God doing? I don't know everything, but he's trying to fill a people. He's trying to fill a people with his breath. That's what we do. What do you do? What do you do? I want you to write this down. What do you do? You demand of yourself 
that you be filled with the breath of God. This isn't the time to shortcut and sugarcoat. Demand of yourself that you be filled with the breath of God. You've said you want the fire of God in your life. Does it have any space to breathe? Does it have any fuel to burn? Are you willing to sacrifice your old normal for the new normal God's calling you into? Have you built systems in your heart that limit God's freedom in your life? Are there certain places God can work but not others? Are there places where you're hesitant to promote God? Are there policies you govern your life by that sound great on the surface but mainly just serve to keep God only where you want Him? Our excuses are suffocating us. I'm busy is suffocating our hunger. I'm right is suffocating our compassion. I know it's harsh, but one thing I've been interested in is how quickly we are allowing ourselves to be motivated, clarified, and identified by somebody putting guilt on us outside of the church. But as soon as we talk about anything we might have done wrong in the church, it's God doesn't use guilt and shame and condemnation. We're going to shoot it straight. Demand of yourself. Demand of yourself that you be filled with the voice and the breath of God. No more excuses. No more excuses. I want more of God, but you don't understand. I'm kind of busy right now. I want to take that step, but I can't fit that into my life. I got a lot going on. There's a lot of changes that are happening. I'm not saying the changes aren't happening. I'm just saying if you're anything like me, I know I always end up doing exactly what I really want to do. I know I should love my enemy, but you don't understand. I'm right. No more excuses. Jesus suffocated so that he could put his breath in us. And we are surrounded by people shouting, I can't breathe. Are you listening? Are you listening? I want us to stand as we close this morning. I'm going to pray for us as we worship together. One more song. Like I said, I have a message for you this morning, not somebody else. I got a message for you. We've been talking about the Good Samaritan, and if you know much about Jesus, people consistently came to him trying to talk to him about other people. And it seems like every single time, he's like, that's great for them. Let's talk about you. In church, we've got to let Jesus talk to us about us. I want to invite you this morning to listen. 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 Listen to the people crying. Stop judging them and listen. Stop evaluating it and listen. Just listen. I want to invite you this morning to listen to the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. I am begging God that by His mercy, he baptized us in the holy conviction of the Holy Spirit because it is conviction that leads to repentance. It is repentance that leads to refreshing and it is only people who can breathe that can go help people who can't. This picture God gave me this week of our church is like the, you know, back when people used to fly in airplanes, 
how they used to talk about the masks. If the oxygen runs out of the room, what do they tell you? Put your mask on first before you help somebody else. Church, put your mask on. Put your mask on first. You can't do this in your own strength. You can't do this with your own good ideas. The people need breath. The world needs to breathe. The world needs to breathe. What do we do? Do whatever it takes to walk into a room and put air into it. Do whatever it takes to walk up to a human being and put air in his lungs. Put air in her lungs. Put fresh wind in her heart. Put a living spirit in his bones. So I want us to respond. The front is gonna be wide open and I just think it's time for us to repent, every single one of us. I can't tell you what for, but I know I got a lot to repent for. And honestly, I don't care. I don't care anymore what anybody thinks. People are dying. Literally, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, people are dying. And if it takes me being embarrassed by saying, you know what, I'm not a perfect person actually. Not a perfect pastor. If it takes you wondering, why is a pastor on his knees in the front? If it takes somebody judging you for walking up to the front of the room so nobody else can live. No more excuses. No more cute church. I'm never going back. Every time I walk into this room, I'm demanding that I put myself before God. God, you have to move me. You have to change me. I have to get a word that changes me. I have to leave here different. People can't breathe. So I want you to just, whatever you do, come to the front, sit at your table. I'm not, I'm for sure not judging you for where you do or don't come in this room, but put your heart before God. The Bible says, let the love of Jesus control us. What could happen with a church that says, God, I'm not here for my church fix. I'm here to let your love control me. Come on in. So Jesus, come and bend us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Bend our hearts, our wills, our opinions, our emotions, our actions. Bend our lives. Bend us, Holy Spirit, that we might bring the breath that you died to give to the world that you died and love, died for in love. Lord, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come in Jesus' name. Come right now, breath of God. Fill us and teach us to pour out in Jesus' name.